Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marianne Rose. In today's podcast, I want to talk about repairing. Repairing ruptures, basically, at some point or another, I think we're all going to do something that is unenjoyable or painful for our children or other adults. So I'm really going to be talking primarily about repairing with our children. But at the end of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about the ways that we can also use these principles to repair with other adults, with our own inner children, and also when our children are adults. But let's go back and backtrack. So really this is about repairing when our children are children. So how do we repair both the connection, that there might have been some rupture in the actual connection when we've done something, depending on what it was that we did, and who they are and how they are as a person, but also to help them heal from the experience so they're not carrying away feelings from that experience that they had with us. So the first thing I think is so important is to set loving limits with guilt or shame. So how do we do that? If you're familiar with your with you're familiar with my work, you would have already heard me talk about emotional sticks. So emotional sticks are when we're hitting ourselves with various types of inner judgment. So it might be that we should ourselves. So if you do something you regret to your child and then you Say something, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And then you start going into all kinds of judgment of yourself. Well, first of all, you're going to feel guilty because I shouldn't have leads to the feeling of guilt. I call that an emotional bruise because it's not a feeling that comes unless we're hitting ourselves with the should stick, that emotional stick. So when you should yourself, I shouldn't have done that, then you feel guilty. And what about shame? Well, that similar comes from hitting ourselves the emotional stick of self-judgment. I'm a this, you know, I'm a XYZ parent. And the more we, you know, the more those judgments are harsh about ourselves, the more we're going to feel shame. Now, why is it important to set loving limits with guilt or shame? And I want to let you know, if you're not up to that point yet and you're aiming to do that but you still feel guilt or shame, you can certainly still do the rest of these. But the more the more you learn to set those loving limits with guilt or shame, the more you're going to be able to actually help your child repair. Now that may sound different to perhaps what you've heard because we often, we've grown up in a culture often where we believe that if we're being punished or we're feeling guilty or shame, shamed or shameful, we're going to be a lovely person. But actually, I wonder if you've experienced that. You've done something to your child, you've done something in relationship to your child, and you're hitting yourself with that emotional stick and you're feeling guilt or shame. Have you ever felt so consumed with the guilt, which feels really uncomfortable, doesn't it, guilt, or so consumed by that shame, which is the body sensations, all you can be with, that it means you have very little available attention, empathy, compassion to actually do the repairing with your child. So that's why I think it's so important to really see that we really can change that in the dialogue. We really can. 
set those loving limits. So what are loving limits? If Again, if you're not familiar with my work, for me a loving limit in this scenario would be what I do is I imagine my right hand going going up to the to the upper right and and the word that comes in is like no I'm not going to do that to myself or I'm no I don't need to do that to myself very very rarely happens for me anymore which is amazing because I used to be filled with guilt and shame and most of the time now it doesn't even come in as a thought but if it does no nope, not willing to do that no I'm not willing to do that I'm not willing to judge myself so that's the first step because that helps us actually to be so much more present because we're not filled with or even semi-filled with guilt or shame we can feel present in our bodies and we can give that presence to our child so the second thing and again this is there's no particular order this is the way I've put them but um, the next piece I've written down number two is to take responsibility for actions so if your child's really upset, you may actually go into number three. But if they're if immediately they're not crying, or even if they are, you may feel called to do this first. So there's a real difference between taking responsibility for our actions and hitting ourselves with emotional sticks about our actions. And they and they experience this very differently from the other as well, from our child. You know, if we're going, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so terrible, I shouldn't have done that, I'm so terrible, I shouldn't have done that, I'm so this, I'm so that. How, how does that feel to you? Does that feel like I would have much available attention to give to you? Or does that feel like all my available attention is taken up with my own pain? You see, if we're able to take responsibility in a way that isn't judging of ourselves it's an entirely different experience for our child so that may be and it depends of course on the age of your child or your own lang language and how you would speak it but in some way it's really saying my apologies that I just did that so there's again really something different between when we say I'm you know I'm sorry or my apologies which is which is you know I regret doing that that's not something I want to do and Oh my God, I'm so sorry, so sorry, so sorry, in a way that is really, we're guilting ourselves. You know, we can be really sorry in a, in a regretful way, but it's very different from an I'm so sorry in a guilt-shame way. And is it, it, is, it does make a difference. So it could be something like, you know, I'm really sorry, I just did that. We might give a short sentence or something about why we did that, I was really upset. Um... It was because I was upset that I did that. It's not your fault. So particularly for children, it can be very easy for them, even if we're not saying it, and particularly we are saying it, if we ever say something like, you know, you made me do that, or even if we're not saying it, it can be very easy for them to take responsibility for our feelings and for our big reactions. So the more we can really give them that really clear message, not only that, I'm, I'm really sad that I did that I'm really sad and why I did it was because of my feelings and my reactions you didn't make that happen that isn't your fault that's my responsibility so again difference between fault and responsibility and actually it was so funny because just before I went to record this I quickly popped on Facebook to, to check out something about the recording and someone had shared um, a Facebook Live a recording. No, actually, it wasn't a Facebook Live. It was a video about the difference between um, fault and 
responsibility. So fault often has a again that quality of shaming, judgment. Whereas responsibility is a really clean, clear thing. It's like this is I take responsibility for this. I'm not going to judge myself. I'm sad that it happened. We may need to go and do some mourning ourselves. We may need to cry. We may need to be heard. But in that moment with our child, it's a really it's kind of very simple, clear. This is my responsibility. That was not your responsibility. And again, in your own words, so that you they really get that very clear message that when we're having a often a big reaction, it may have been that you spoke harshly or used power over, you did something that you regret, that you taking responsibility that you know that we're taking responsibility, it comes from our feelings or our unmet needs, our ways of thinking, something that's going on for us. And of course it depends on the age of your child and the way you speak about feelings and things to find your own words of really simply owning that. So number three is to listen to the feelings. Again, you made this may happen before and there may not be clear steps, but part of it, of course, is listening to their feelings. So if they're, they're starting to cry already or they are crying or they're saying words about their upset things, to really listen and to just to give empathy. I really hear that you're upset. I'm right here. I'm listening. Yeah, I really hear that you feel scared, I really hear that you feel sad, I really hear you feel shocked, I'm right here, I'm listening. But again, to really set loving limits, when you see that, to put those sticks down, because it's such a paradox, because we kind of think, if we're, if we're making ourselves feel pain, because that's what we've grown up, we've grown in a culture which is, you know, you do something that, that's painful for someone else and you get punished. This is a very different paradigm because if we're in pain, if we're creating more pain by judging ourselves, we're actually going to have, we're actually going to be able to be present less for the other. They're going to feel that. Whereas if we can really be compassionate with ourselves as well as with them, they're going to really feel that quality of we can really be there listening, listening to them, not consumed by guilt and shame. I'm right here, I'm listening, I see how upset you are. Well, they may not be crying, but you may just make some empathy guesses. Um, did, you, did, you feel, did you feel scared? You might see from the look in their eyes, maybe they widened their eyes when you're doing it. Did you feel scared, sweetheart, when I did that? Did you feel shocked? Of course, we don't want to put things in their, in their mouths, but you know, by observing them, by seeing how they are, and by knowing them well, we can take a guess as to how that was for them, how they felt. So part of what heals, part of the repair is the connection and is them getting to express the feelings that they, that they felt when that thing happened. Number four is helping more feelings coming out if they, if they need to. So that may be that there's more crying that happens over the next few days. It may be there's a big cry at bedtime or something little happens or maybe you something similar happens and there's some big feelings coming out and again simply we can just simply listen and be there and, and um, yeah we can we can apologize again in that really clear way without feeling guilty and we can listen to their feelings absolutely just being there and listening but there are other ways that we can help repair and help those feelings come out. One of the most wonderful ones is attachment play. 
So if you're not familiar with this already, uh, there's a wonderful book by Aletha Salter called Attachment Play. I have articles and a free little course on it on my website. And the particular games that can be often most helpful, um, particularly are power reversal games. So this can be really helpful. Basically what we're aiming to do is how can we reverse the power that happened in that scary situation or that, um, you know, whatever it was that happened there. So for example, if we spoke in a loud voice or we shouted loudly, then one of the ways we can help them heal from that experience is they get to be loud and we get to be kind of mock scared. So it's really, it's a very much um, a thing to play with attachment play and to get more familiar with. Sometimes it could be that we, they maybe put on a puppet of a, a dog and they pretend to bark at us or a lion and pretend to roar at us and we, we kind of jump, pretend to jump and pretend to run away and they run after us and then we pretend to fall over and get caught. And if they're laughing when they're doing this kind of power reversal play, as long as there's no tickling happening, then the laughter is actually releasing the feelings of fear and powerlessness. So finding some way to bring in some power reversal games can really, really help. There are lots of other forms of attach and play that we can play. And again, the more familiar you get with it, the more you'll get the sense of, oh, I can do this. Or you see your child, um, because attach and play is a, is also an inherent capacity that we all have to heal. So children will often also bring in particular games. And when we recognize that they're trying to heal, we can join in with those games in particular ways that bring the healing. So, um, yeah, so anyway, where you see that they're inviting a power reversal game, you can join in and be the, the less powerful one, the mock scared one, the one that's falling over or whose ears are getting sore and but really observing a child if they're laughing then you know feel free to keep going if they start to cry then I would stop the game so it's really gauging based on their response whether healing is happening another thing you can do again depending on their ages you can go back in and kind of replay the situation and say how okay let's replay this how would we have liked to, to have gone so you can do that in kind of a more serious way like really so you're getting, they're getting to experience what they would have liked to have happened and we're getting to experience what we would have liked to happen. So that's, um, that can be a really helpful thing to do. But also we can even bring in a bit of what's called nonsense play. So we can bring in kind of silly things happening. Oh, this is the point where, what did I do here? Uh, the bucket fell on my head. No, that's, I tripped over. No, and then they might say, no, that's when you shouted or you, you know, whatever it was. Oh, yes, that was when it was. So again, that can that can bring in laughter, and again, the laughter can help us heal from what, from the experience that you know, we didn't want to do that. So, helping feelings be released through laughter is another wonderful way as part of the repair. So really seeing number five to really get that sense that repair is often giving what wasn't given at the time. So we get to they get to experience what they didn't experience at the time. And so we get that where it comes from, that word reparative, that reparative experience. So I hope that makes sense. Those are the main points really to, to set loving limits with the self-judgment and the shoulding, to take responsibility in a way that's compassionate to ourselves 
um, by the way, we may also, and we probably will also need to go off and talk to another adult and get to, oh, I did this, that, the other, and, you know, we may need to cry or feel, feel the disappointment to have them, someone else listen to those feelings, that, that's often really important. Um, yeah, to take responsibility, to, to apologise, to listen to their feelings, um, to help any more extra pair, and that may be through attachment play or by replaying the situation. So you really, they really get to have what they didn't get in that moment. So that's with our children, but the wonderful thing is that we can also do elements of this with other adults. So especially the, the taking responsibility, the listening, the giving empathy, those are really, really helpful things. And actually, the reason I thought of doing this podcast was I had an experience of this myself yesterday. I'd, um, I'd had an experience a while back where something wasn't so enjoyable and the person involved offered to have a meeting together so we'd sit down and we'd get to express the things that perhaps we hadn't, um, you know, particularly that I got to express the things that, that how I'd felt. And I really saw the beautiful healing power of really, uh, he got to say the things that that he would have liked to have said in the moment, I got to say things I would have liked to have said in the moment, I would have liked to have received in the moment. And, that's, and it was so, so healing. Such a healing thing to be able to hear what happened, but also to get a different experience. So often healing for me is those two elements, the empathy and to get to express and to have heard and... And, yeah, to, and to hear the words and the actions that we would have liked in that moment. So that's with other adults. The wonderful thing is we can also do this with our own inner children, the inner parts of us who've experienced painful things in the past. And those feelings are showing up in the here and now. We can go back and do this kind of process with them. It's uh, what I've called my inner loving presence process, which is basically going back and giving the opportunity for... You know, if you were, when you were eight, you had a certain thing happen and you didn't get to be heard and things happened that you didn't want to happen, you can go back and that eight-year-old you gets, gets to have her feelings and needs heard and the things that she wanted to say get to be heard. And she gets to experience in that, in that inner world what she didn't experience the first time around that she really needed. And it's so powerfully healing to get that experience and one other way we can do this which uh, again comes from an experience I've had of working with a particular um, mother who her own mother uh, has heard about the things she's doing with her parenting and the inner loving presence process and she is really willing to repair the things that she's done or she did when the mama that I'm working with um, was a child and a teen so she's getting you know the the woman I'm working with gets to say you know what I really would have loved you to do or to say was this and this now grandmother does that says that here's the feelings repairs basically by by listening and by saying what wasn't said or by you know by really going back and doing that reparative piece what I love about that is it can be so reassuring for us if we're if we're parents to know it really is never too late to repair. That if we're willing to stay open, and I think that's why I keep bringing this piece around the the loving limits with the guilt and the shame, because that's what I see often 
with grandparents and particularly you know, I'm working with parents and they're often doing a new kind of parenting and often because the grandparents are so so much hitting themselves with emotional sticks because that was what the way they were brought up that it's too painful for them to even acknowledge oh you know this when I did you know all the things that we do do as parents that are painful for our children but that doesn't that you know, that really misses an opportunity yes we can still absolutely heal without our parents being involved that's what the inner loving presence process is about but imagine if when you're a grandparent you're not judging yourself you are being compassionate with yourself for the things that you did as a parent that you wish you hadn't and things that you didn't do that you wish you had to the extent that you can your child can come your grown-up child and say you know when you did this uh, that was really painful and I felt this and I wish you'd done this and you can hear it without being in so much pain yourself that you just can't hear it I hope that makes sense so it's an incredible gift to be able to repair in these ways and anytime we can do it I think it's a wonderful thing and it really is remembering that our children will keep bringing us opportunities if we don't get to do it at the time they will keep showing us in their behavior that this piece still needs to be healed and you know the wonderful thing is it really is never too late so thank you so much for listening I hope that was helpful if you want to find any more about any of these things so the repair with your child, um, understanding about the power of tears and tantrums for healing, attachment play, the inner loving presence process, um, getting free from guilt, loving limits, all of these things, they're all things that I talk about on my website marionrose.net, have articles, free courses, paid courses, lots of stuff there, so come along and have a look and I look forward to talking to you in the next podcast. Bye for now.